Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Well, uh, I, I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles open to Luke chapter number 2, verse 1. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Also, I'd like to welcome the uh, online congregation. Thank you for joining us this morning, and I pray that you'll enjoy this as well. Open your Bible up to Luke chapter number 2, verse 1. Now, while you're finding that, I know that the Christmas shopping season is is quickly grinding to a halt. I mean, you don't really have much more time to shop for Christmas. And if you haven't yet done your shopping, get it done now. Now, I know one of the things that may keep you from actually doing your Christmas shopping is concerned that you might not get the right gift for a guy or a woman. And I know I know that, that typically it says that, that the women are very complicated and how they do it, but actually I... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simplify this in a huge way. I'm going to give you, these are eight basic rules. These are foundational. Eight basic rules on getting a Christmas gift for a man, for a guy. And then I'm also going to follow that up with the one basic rule for getting a Christmas gift for a lady. All right, so here it is. This is for the men. First, so, so if you follow these eight rules for men or the one rule for a woman, you're, you're going to have a merrier Christmas. I mean, it's almost guaranteed. So, so here we go. Rule number one, when in doubt, buy him. Now, this is for the men. When in doubt, buy him a cordless drill. Okay, it doesn't matter if he already has one. I mean, I know someone who has 17 and he still is not complaining, you know, so men can never have too many cordless drills. Yet nobody knows why. All right, rule number two for men. If you cannot afford a cordless drill, a drill, that's okay. Just get anything that has the word ratchet or socket in it. You see, part of it is that guys just like to say the words ratchet and socket. It's like, hey, George, can I borrow your ratchet? Oh, sure, Fred. You know, don't forget to uh, give me back my three-eighths inch deep well socket. Yeah, yeah. Why? Nobody knows why, but that's just the way it is. Rule number three for men is this. If you're like really, really broke, you can't afford any of that, just buy him anything for his car or his truck. And I'm talking like literally a 99-cent ice scraper, some of that ice spray stuff, you know, the de-icer. You can get him some some of those those armor-all wipes to wipe down. Get him him an air freshener for his vehicle, for his truck or his car. It needs to smell like the outdoors somehow, or maybe even like oil or something like that, but he'll like it. It'll, it'll be good because guys just like gifts for their vehicles. Nobody knows why. That's just the way it is. Okay, rule number four for men. Now, ladies, I hope you're getting all this written down. There are good places to shop for men. Here it is. Ace Hardware, Lowe's, The Home Depot, Cabela's, and Academy. Now, it really doesn't matter what you get from there, even if he doesn't even know what it is or how it works. As long as he knows where you got it, he's going to be happy, all right? Now, here's rule number five. Rule number five for men, buy men anything that's sharp. Get him a knife, a hatchet, a sword, an ice pick. I mean, razor blades, anything. Because men like to live on the edge. 
Again, nobody knows why, all right? Rule number six for shopping for men is this. Get him tickets to Stars, Cowboys, or a Mavericks game, you know? Now, keep in mind, he probably will not appreciate tickets to like a retrospective of 19th century quilts. And And everybody knows why on that one right there, okay? Rule number seven for men is this. It really, it's hard to beat an aluminum ladder. I mean, guys can use, always use another aluminum ladder, especially if it's an extension ladder. Like the step ladder is fine. You get him an extension ladder. That is one happy man. He will love it. Yet still nobody knows why. And rule number eight, this is the eighth rule for buying gifts for men. Buy men rope. Men love Rope. I don't know, it takes us back to our cowboy origins or maybe Boy Scout, but nothing says love like a three-eighths inch twisted manila rope. And yet no one knows why. Now, finally, those are the eight basic rules for men. So ladies, you've got this all figured out. For men, you, it's just one simple rule for buying gifts for women. Buy her anything that's expensive or looks expensive. And we all know why on that one, all right? (laughs) Okay, well, the title of today's message is Good News and Great Joy, as I continue with my Joy Rediscovered series. So I want to ask you a question. How's your joy coming along this Christmas? Seriously, how are you doing? Uh, Are you feeling overwhelmed or are you stressed? Uh, are relationship problems like draining away your joy? Are you finding that your finances are squashing the joy out of Christmas? Is loneliness dominating your emotions? Well, it doesn't have to be that way. So I want us to start off by looking at that very first Christmas night, the night that changed the world. And it's still changing the world because it's changing individual people today. And it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. This is actually my favorite of all the passages of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, reading from the New American Standard Bible, which is what I prefer to, to, to preach and teach from. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him, and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, this is it. I bring you good news of great joy, good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly army of angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people whom he is pleased. So the angel proclaimed something. He proclaimed that there was this good news that was going to bring great joy. And that this news about the joy and the receiving of the joy, it is literally for everyone. And so he, they announced it to the shepherds. And the shepherds were the lowliest of all the occupations. They were the poorest of the people. They're the ones who just seem to have nothing going right in their lives. But this announcement of the first Christmas changed them because now they realized that even they could have joy. Right there, right there is so clear. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what has sapped your joy, this Christmas can be different. You don't have to be overtaken by, by, by stress and overwhelmed with sorrow and anxiety. You don't have to be just groping around in the darkness, barely making it. No, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says this, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And this is a prophecy about Jesus, about his arrival and what changes the world. He says the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. You will increase their joy and they will rejoice Rejoice in your presence. You see that? Rejoicing is what joy makes us do, and we will do it when he is present, as with the joy of harvest. So it's comparison to like, man, when harvest comes, everyone's, yeah, this is wonderful. Well, that's going to be a continuous joy that will happen because of the presence of God. So regardless of the measure of joy you, you're experiencing right now, I'll also challenge you, your joy can be increased. Yeah, we also know this. We live in an extremely negative culture. Uh, negativism, it pervades uh, uh, workplaces and homes, some churches, not this one, but many social circles and, 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 uh, and political groups. Uh, the political groups even seem to be maxing out on it and enjoying the negativism. And, and worst of all, negativism can overwhelm you when you're just simply all alone, you're stuck. A result of this negative culture is that we, we tend to be driven by our emotions in today's world more than ever before. But I, I also want to say this, that this dangerous territory for every single one of us to be driven by our emotions. Uh, there, there is another way, and it's the way of joy. So what is the good news that brings great joy? Well, in the midst of, of the negative news that's everywhere, uh, you know, we have to understand that there is something that's good. There is something that's wonderful, and we can overcome the negativity. See, negative news brings great negativity. So that's like, like the angel came to give good news, which brought great joy, but negative news brings great negativity. It's the opposite of the good news uh, bringing joy. And if you're not careful, what you'll find is when there's constant negativism around you, when you're constantly receiving that you'll be drained of your joy. So when you actually give in then to the negative culture, negative news, negative interactions, negative emotions, negative circumstances, it brings negativity into your life overall. 
And for some of you, negativity has consumed you and you don't even realize it. What negativity does is it actually pushes people away instead of pulls them close. And negativism, it's the enemy of joy. And that's, that's why the enemy tempts us to be negative and to indulge in negativity because hell wants to drain the joy out of your life. And it's not just that, it's that sin. Sin also steals our joy. Uh, sin might make you feel happy kind of like in the moment and you're enjoying it, but that's not joy. Um, see, sin comes with guilt and shame and condemnation, which even brings more negativity. In fact, Israel's King David, uh, he, he saw at one point his joy in life was literally ripped out from under him. His joy was stolen. Uh, he, he, see, he committed adultery, and then he committed murder to cover up for the adultery, and it changed him for the worse. See, when, when he finally came to his senses, it's recorded for us in Psalm 51 what happened. See, he wrote Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is his prayer to God. It's put in poetry, and then he put, put it to music. And in this Psalm, Psalm 51, he's asking God, God, I want you to restore my joy that was stole due to sin. Now, he, he, he says this in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, just a little portion of that prayer. He says, create in me a clean heart. God, renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, restore to me, hit that, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Because sin always robs your joy and Satan knows that. You see, Satan has a job description and his job description is found in John chapter 10, verse 10 and it's very clear. He's only come to steal, to kill, and to destroy and he will do everything he can to steal from you. And if he can steal your joy by getting you to sin or if he can get you to think that sin is going to bring you joy, he's scored a victory against you. But if you do like David did and ask God to forgive you, joy can be restored. You see, this negative, sin-filled world requires a, a, a positive spiritual response. And the spiritual positive response that we give is good news that brings great joy. And, and, and what we do, though, is we don't just talk about it. And here's where the rubber meets the road. We have to live it full of joy, living out our faith. And when we live our faith out like that, it's going to draw other people to Christ. It's going to cause others to want to be with him and to understand the ways of God. I experienced something really interesting recently um, back, in, back in July there was an automobile accident at the intersection of 10th and Florence, which is just, just a very close right here. And I was, I was walking in front of the building. I saw the accident happen. And so I, uh, I, I did the responsible thing. I, I walked over there and, and helped them out, helped out the people who were in the accident and made sure they were taken care of. And I got them some water and I got them just what, whatever they needed in the moment to, to deal with and to process this. And, and, uh, and, 
it, you know, I stayed with him for a while. I gave, I gave each person my phone number. If you need anything, I'm here for you. And, and I was especially concerned about this one, one woman who was just getting off work here downtown and was, was heading out to pick up her grandchildren. And, and, uh, and she, fortunately, her car was actually drivable. And uh, I was concerned about it, and I said, please don't take the highway. Whatever you do, do not take the highway. Take the back roads. Uh, be, be, safe, be safe. Be careful. Here's my phone number. I'm going to call up. I'm going to check on you. I'm going to make sure you're okay. And, and so we, we, we stayed in tune with that, and she called me back. Uh, she, and she ended up being okay. She called me back about a week later and said, what do you remember about the accident? I said, well, I told her what I saw. I said, but hey, I can give you the video footage from our cameras. We have great security cameras on our building. So we... Uh, I said, yeah, we, I can show you exactly what happened. So I gave her a clip of that. And if you need to see this, you can see exactly how it happened. We even have the audio that goes along with it. So so got that to her, and she was able to give that to our insurance. And it ended up in being this huge settlement in her favor. And what happened is I, I, I with just just being a Christian, just by being a Christian, that's all I was doing, just being a Christian, I helped people out, and I went just over and above the call of duty because that's what we're supposed to do. See, that's, that's because we have joy in our lives, and we're, we're here to help other people. And so yesterday, she sent me a text. She still, she, had my, she still has my number. She said, do you remember me? I'm the woman from the automobile accident. And she just said, I just, I, I looked up your church, and I, I'm just so grateful for you, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for your church, and, and I, I just want to say Merry Christmas. And so I thought, well, the best thing I can do is give your church a big offering. And she gave us, she gave our church a sizable offering. And, and that was all based out of just sharing the love and the joy of God. Guys, we can do that. See, a negative, sin-filled world requires a positive spiritual response. And that's what we do in our daily lives. And if this year broke you down and if this year has isolated you and made you feel miserable and fearful or or hurt or wounded, I I just want, want you to know you don't have to try to force yourself to muster up some cheer. You don't have to feel like Christmas is going to be a downer because there is good news. And the good news is Jesus has come. I mean, the angel proclaimed it. And, and, and in this world of negativism and negative news, there is still good news. It's Jesus has come and he is here now. You know, this world that's filled with temptation that destroys lives and destroys bodies and destroys families and brings despair, there is good news. Jesus has come. Now, you might say, well, so what? That happened 2,000 years ago. What does that do for me right now? Well, the good news is that that good news brings great joy, which is now the great joy is the effect of Jesus coming. And it was immediate in that moment with the shepherds, but it has continued throughout all of time because there is an effect of the presence of God on our lives. When we accept everything that the Lord has to offer, and part of the problem with us is we tend to not accept everything God has to offer. We, we say like, well, that's enough, God, or I want to keep this area for myself. But when we accept everything, everything that God has to offer, we will find that we will have that great joy, which is the effect of Jesus coming. We are changed people because Jesus came. Real joy, real joy isn't something that just we we try to stir up in our own mind and our emotions. No, it comes from God. 
Uh, you know, attempting to find joy by psyching yourself up is kind of like believing that a river can go up a mountain. You know, it just isn't going to happen. And, and, and I believe that's one of the reasons why so many people, even so many believers, have a hard time finding joy at Christmas. You see, I mean, you bite into a Christmas cookie and you're like, hey, I like that. You open up a shiny package and you enjoy what's in there. But joy itself in its purest form is so much more than just happiness and enjoyment. See, joy, joy is found in this startling realization that God really has claimed territory in this world. And what is that territory? It's you and it's me. He laid claim on you and he has taken back and he is taking back what already belonged to him. You are his prized possession. And joy is then what God saturates you with. It's supernatural. It's not emotional. It doesn't originate in your soul, but it originates in your spirit. The spirit is your spirit is that part of you that's born again. Your spirit is where the Holy Spirit comes to abide. And so it's critical to remember now that joy and happiness are not the same. Now, I mentioned this last week, but, but this, is, this is important. See, quite often those words are used as synonyms, joy and happiness. But in reality, they're extremely different. It's important that you do not get the two confused. My definition of joy is right up here on the screen. Joy is a lasting choice. It's rooted in relationship with God. Relationship with God. That's critical right there. Bringing inner contentment and satisfaction. Joy is not contingent upon outward circumstances, but supernaturally sustains our souls during dark times. You see, that is only possible when Christ is in us. And, and even then, even then, when God is in us, well, he still gives us the choice as to whether or not we're going to operate in joy. You know, it is part of the fruit of the Spirit, but we have to cultivate it. We have to activate it. It's born in our lives because the Holy Spirit dwells in us, but we have to operate in it. So joy is not contingent upon your outward circumstances. It's a supernatural work of God that sustains you. It sustains your mind. It sustains your will. It sustains your emotions during your darkest times. It gives you inner contentment and satisfaction when nothing else will. Now, to contrast it, just so that you're aware, happiness is different. Happiness is a, is a brief and, and quite often a fleeting emotion. It makes you feel good. It's kind of a reaction to certain circumstances. So something good happens, well, it makes you feel happy. Like, I found myself happy this week. It wasn't joy, it was happiness. But I found myself happy because I went to the freezer and I pulled out some turkey from Thanksgiving that I froze on Thanksgiving day and I pulled it out and I thought it and I had myself this stinking good turkey dinner and that was made me so happy and 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 I was happy when we had our volunteers Christmas party the other night I was I was happy watching home alone with the family I was happy this last week when I watched the man who invented Christmas with the man. Those all made me happy, but it's a brief emotion that, that's basically just in the moment. It's a reaction to certain circumstances, but it can flee very quickly. But see, this search for joy, which is substituted really by the culture itself and even by the enemy, by a, which becomes more of a search for happiness, this search for happiness... That's what drives a lot of people into addictions. 
sin, alcohol and drug abuse, marital unfaithfulness, isolation, eating disorders, debt, and a whole lot more. So if you're, if, if you're dealing with a relentless search for happiness, I challenge you to no longer fall into the trap of the pursuit of happiness. So today is a day that you can break free because joy is better. Joy is sustainable. Joy has no miserable side effects. Joy will break you out of negativity. Joy will help you to have a Merry Christmas and it's time to rediscover joy. See, joy is rediscovered by a very intentional method. If you already have Christ abiding in you, you have to intentionally cultivate God's presence. It's... And I know the question is, well, how in the world do I intentionally cultivate the presence of God? Because God's already in me. So what, what about it? Well, you actually have to work at it. David, back in Psalm chapter 51, when he's asking for forgiveness of sin and restoration of joy, he's asking for the presence of God. What he's doing there, that's cultivating joy. What I find interesting about David in Psalm 51 uh, is that he believed so much in what he was praying in that prayer that he wrote out, he put it to music, and then he assigned it to the worship leaders to sing that song at the worship gatherings. Now, why would he do that? Well, he's giving them a psalm. I mean, he's exposing himself. He's exposing his own problems. He's exposing his own bad, uh, bad choices in life. But what he did is he's sharing this psalm saying, I want everybody to sing this prayer of mine because in it, I believe he's, he's realizing this and he wants everybody to know this, in it is found a way to cultivate the presence of God. If you just sing this and mean it from the bottom of your heart, watch how joy begins to come back into your life. Cultivating the presence of God is, I mean, it's, it's something that you have to intentionally do on a daily basis. Uh, many times it's easy to, to say this is a, a discipline. Just like you were disciplined today to be here, there are certain disciplines we build into our lives that begin to bring us joy. Um, and and, and it's, it's not just the pursuit of joy. Really, it's the pursuit of the presence of God. Because when you pursue the joy, it may take you in the wrong direction. We pursue the presence of God. So we cultivate it. Some of the ways I cultivate it is, is first thing in the morning when I wake up, I greet God. And I thank God for the day ahead. Thank you, God, for this day. I don't know what's going to happen. How can I thank God for something that has yet to happen? Well, that is simply because I'm thanking him, asking also for his blessing, for his presence to be with me that day. I spend time daily reading the scriptures. And it's not studying. I have to study the scriptures to, to preach, to minister, to teach. But I, don't, I, I read the scriptures for me because I want my own spiritual development. I want to cultivate the presence of the Lord. Another thing that I do to, uh, to cultivate the presence of God is to, uh, is to simply worship God. I, I like to sing and I like to worship God. I find creative ways to bless, bless others in my daily journey as I'm just going through life. Uh, someone seems down or depressed or what, I just try to give them a good word of encouragement or help them or whatever. Find creative ways just to bless people. I pray in the spirit. I pray for specific needs for other people. I pray for you by name. I resist the devil and his temptations. I cast my cares on God instead of trying to carry them all on myself. And at the end of the day, one of the things that, that I do is I go to bed, again, just giving everything to God. And, and it's, it's this right here. I know that I'm not God. 
but he is. And he has his best interest in, at heart for me. And I can trust him. And because I put him on the throne as God, as God, I can just simply put all of my cares on him, regardless of the stress and the pressure that I might even feel when I'm going to bed. And then I can rest. Why can I rest? It's because he's in charge. That's cultivating the presence of God. That's cultivating it on a regular daily basis. Then what happens is that joy begins to rise up in you. See, King David also wrote these words in Psalm 16, verse 11. He said, in your presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. In his presence, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I mean, God, see, God is handling his side of the deal perfectly. So what we have to do is to focus upon our side. We need to do things to amplify his presence and to amplify his presence in our own hearts and minds. And that's where we then find continual joy. Um, Again, I recognize that none of this comes natural, and it takes discipline to cultivate the presence of God, but the outcome is wonderful, and one of the benefits of that is this life-sustaining joy. Isaiah, he said this in Isaiah 51, verse 11, and, and I, just, to, just to give you a little bit of a background on this, he's prophesying about something that's going to happen in the future, that God's people were going to come back to Jerusalem. They were going to come back, and they were going to, because they had been exiled, and he's prophesying that they're going to come back and how, how it's going to be when they come back. So basically, they're coming back home. They're coming back to the place where they can worship God freely. It says, the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion. Zion is an important word. Hold that, hold that right there. They will come to Zion with joyful shouting and everlasting joy will be on their heads and they will obtain gladness and what? Joy. I mean, how many times do they have to say joy in there and sorrow and sighing will flee away? Okay, what is interesting about this? It's all based upon this. The redeemed of the Lord, that means those who, who have, uh, in New Testament terms, those, those who have given their lives to Christ, when we find ourselves coming into the presence of God, that's what Zion is, then all of this joy starts happening. Now, Zion was a literal place. Zion is a little mountain just outside of Jerusalem. But what's interesting about Zion, which we, we tend to miss, is that Zion, this little mountain of Zion, that is the place where, where, uh, where David, when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, that's where he placed the Ark. And he set it out there, and it was... <clears throat> It was not in the regular tabernacle or temple, but it was set out there in the open and people would come and worship around it. In fact, in fact, it's even said that there was 24 hour, 24 day, hours a, a day, seven days a week, worship, worship leaders would come a day and at night and they would, they would worship there and they would have this music playing during this time around the Ark of the Covenant and people would go there. They could go there at any point in time and they would just worship God and they said, yeah, that is the place of joy. Why was that the place of joy? Because that's where worship was, That, but that's where the presence of God was. Okay, now, what's different? Well, the presence of God dwelt there. That was the place of joy, but the presence of God now lives in us. It's not restricted to a place. 
the joy is in us. The presence of God is in us. So when we, basically what the scripture is saying is that when we cultivate the presence of God within us, Isaiah 51, 11, look at it again. Put that right back up there. The redeemed of the Lord will return and come to, let's just say, come to recognition of the presence of God within us and cultivating the presence of God. There'll be joyful shouting. Everlasting joy will be on their heads. And they'll obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sigh will flee away. Guys, that, that, that's good. That's good. I said, but I'm suffering. Well, joy is not the absence of suffering. Joy is the presence of God. You know, all, all, all I want is for my life to be flooded with the presence of God. I know suffering is present. It, it is. I mean, I live in a fallen world just like you do. And, um, but my joy helps me to rise above any suffering that I might be experiencing. And I also have this knowledge and this faith and this hope that way off in the future, I'm going to be living in eternity where there will be no pain, there will be no suffering, there will be no anguish, there will be no negativity, there will be no loneliness. I will be in the literal presence of God in eternity. So we have joy. And the immortal God was born in the form of a little baby so that we could have this have his presence not only in this earth but in eternity and that's the news that's the good news that brings great joy just like the angel said it's for everybody it's for all people no one is excluded from this gift of joy unless they exclude themselves and in a joyless world in a joyless society there's so many people who are still in need of this That's why it's important that we live our lives right, that we express it and we give it away and we show it and we live it day in and day out. Now, now, now if you're lacking joy today, I want you to do what Jesus said in John 16, 24. He said, ask and you will receive so that so that your joy may be full now what what I believe here in this passage of scripture you know if you look at it in the context you can see a little bit more I'm not going to teach it in detail but what's important here is we might look at that and think well I'm going to have joy because I'm going to get something from God actually not that's not the case the case is here is ask and you'll receive what he's saying is talk to me talk to me cultivate my presence I want to communicate with you and I want to take care of you and I want you to be able to receive what you're asking for so that your joy will be full our joy is full when we cultivate that presence of God that's why I unashamedly go to God and I I ask God God I need I need a miracle Lord I want to see this 
miracle happen. God, we need some provision over here. We need you to work over here. And God, I'm, I'm calling on you and I'm not gonna stop calling on you because when I do that, when I do that, even though I may not have received it yet, I have fullness of joy. And you can have that this Christmas too. Jesus is here now through the presence of his Holy Spirit. He loves you. And you can have joy and you can rejoice during this season. So here's my Christmas challenge to you. Engage, engage with the God of joy. Regardless of your circumstances, and have a Merry Christmas. Before I go any further, I, I want to pray for that to be established in our hearts. But I also want to pray for anybody who's here today who's not in relationship with God. If the Spirit of God is not living in you. Uh, you're not going to find that joy. You're not going to find that sustaining joy. I want you to have that. There's nobody looking around right now. Let's just take this moment between you and God would you examine your heart if you're not serving the Lord now's the time to receive him into your life so allow him to forgive wash your sin away make you clean as if you've never sinned and you will find joy just in that right there not pursuing the joy you're pursuing the God brings joy. You're pursuing the presence of God to fill your own life. So if that's you this morning, at the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand because I want to connect my faith with yours. When I see your hand lifted, my faith will be connected with yours. Then we're going to pray together a prayer of salvation. We're going to believe God for salvation for you and everyone else who raises their hand. So if that's you, you need Jesus today. Lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Anyone else? I need Jesus today. Y'all who lifted your hands, thank you for your honesty. If you lift your hand, I want you to pray these words with me. Church, I want you to pray these also for the others who are giving their lives to Christ right now. This is a very holy moment. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, everyone say these words. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. For today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose today to surrender my life to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you guys stand with me? I want us to pray one more prayer. I want us to pray a prayer. pray a prayer of cultivating the presence of God in our lives. Go after Him and the joy comes. The joy comes when we go after Him. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now with all of my brothers and sisters in this room and we'll, we pray that you will flood our lives with your presence, God. God, help us to be people who are diligent about the things of God, 
serving you, following after you in the word, in prayer, serving others, being a blessing, resisting evil. Help us, God, as we just remind us of these things as we go through our journey. Remind us to cultivate your presence. And God, I pray that the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy of Jesus will be strong in our lives. God, that we'll just be beaming with joy, that we'll, we won't let the obstacles and the pain and the stress and the strife to overtake us anymore. We won't let our, our vain imaginations to take over anymore. But instead, Lord God, we're going to engage with your joy and your presence. And we thank you for it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.org. God bless.